A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who, if combined, would make one hell of a woodworker. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right. Welcome to Wood Talk. It is episode 423 for January 22nd, 2018. On today's show, we're talking about putting a vice on a thin bench top, fixing dog holes, and would Matt build a bandsaw mill? What, di- didn't you already? Didn't you? <laughs> I didn't know. Uh... Wait. A good little line to put up there, besides literally that. Okay. We're okay. building it. Listen to the show, and you'll hear that part. Okay. Well, I can't wait to get there. It sounds very exciting. I'm sure you've heard it before. Yes. All right. And we want to thank some folks who helped us out. <laughs> uh, one 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 fella did it through uh, uh, PayPal, which was always cool. Leon Huzenga. And a few folks on Patreon. And by the way, that's patreon.com slash woodtalk if you want to help out. Uh, Tor Selden, Alan Lilich, Chad Wilson, Charlie Lothar, Cole Bouchard, John Bruitt, and Michael Bordeaux. So thank you folks for helping us out. It's people like you that keep us coming back for more to do this show week after week. It's also Shannon who won't let me quit. And... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to get I'm trying to get away from only but. Shannon. <laughs> well, Matt just he he says things I, I barely hear it. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what do you say we get into what's on the bench? For me, I don't have a whole lot to say. I've just been editing and writing and writing and editing and uh, nothing ultimately very exciting. It's it's funny too because this is the second Friday live that we did where I go into the shop, I go to my workbench, and everything on the bench is just like stuff from the last Friday live show. Still sitting there. <laughs> Still sitting there. And I'm just like, wow, <laughs> there's nothing happening here. So yeah, really not a whole lot to say. So uh, Matt, what about you? Oh, I'm still working on a high boy. I don't know if that's, if we can stop talking with that eventually, but well, that, getting news. closer, getting really close. Uh, what? I don't even know what I said last time I was working on. You hadn't started the finish yet. I Might have been think. finished prep maybe. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, so I got some finish on the cases. I haven't done the drawers yet because I honestly don't have the space. Because I was trying to do like some of the smaller stuff that still have to happen on the high boy itself. 
So I needed some bench space. I needed some assembly table space. I didn't have room to like have drawers all over the shop getting finished on them. So I'm getting finished on the cases first. I'll take those out of the shop and then I'll probably finish on the drawers and actually start working on the waterfall river tables as well at the same time. So kind of a hectic transition period here in, in the shop, but you <laughs> know, a lot it's, going, going on. it's going going pretty well. You know, things are happening. The, the uppercase has all the finish done on it. I just moved into the house today. So that's out of the shop, which is just awesome. I don't know about you guys, but like, uh, maybe it's not a big problem for Mark, but when you have something that big sitting in your shop, taking up that much space for that long, and then all of a sudden it's gone. <laughs> you feel like, like you got a whole new shop? Woo-hoo! I have all the space now. So much room for activities. Woo-hoo! You go, look, I feel like, I feel just like April Wilkerson. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for those who yes. don't know, she's building a giant Just shop. Like so. that. <laughs> I really hope she puts like a tram in her shop. I think that'd be awesome. Uh, it would, e- even if it only goes like ten feet, just to have like a little golf cart. Yeah, maybe thinking, maybe like, like a, thinking like a Ricky Schroeder Silver Spoons train, something yeah, like that. Absolutely. Matt, that was a show in the eighties. You have to look it up. I have to look it up. Yeah. Let me know the name again after the show. I'll look it up because okay. I won't remember. Silver Spoons. Just watch the the musical intro. And you'll yeah, see what yeah. I'm talking about. Little spoons. All right. I got it. Okay. But yeah. So Shannon. What's going on with you? Yeah. That's about it. Cool. Uh, well, let's see. I am about to, I've been sawing veneer. I think I've mentioned that a couple of times. I'm about, to, I, I need to actually start gluing it into place and I'm going to do hammer veneering. And up until now, uh, I haven't done a huge amount of hammer veneering, probably maybe four times, but I've just used like a block of wood and kind of squeegeed it out you know i was like yeah one day i should make a hammer veneer or maybe i could buy a hammer veneer so i finally decided to go ahead and and make a veneer hammer and this is one of those projects that it's like so completely overbuilt over designed like super pretty i'm gonna french polish it for god's sake it's just one of those things where it's like you know what i'm I'm just gonna i'm just gonna do this up and i've been hanging on to this piece of uh um grenadillo it's a really kind of interesting deep red south american wood i had this big hunk of it i don't know why i bought it was i thinking of turning a hollow vessel or something it's like a six by six by 36 beam of (laughs) grenadillo and i ended up sawing out parts to make um the veneer hammer and the handle and i just finished sculpting the handle so i created this like um kind of oblong um hand sculpted shape uh very cool. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun to just kind of play with the line and, you know, get the fit just right in your hand. I will be gluing that in place, putting the, like the brass actual blade, the veneer hammer part onto it, and I'll begin French polishing it. And I will have the world's fanciest veneer hammer. Nice. Why I'd not? say so. Sounds great. Yeah. You know, there were a lot of opportunities for that's what she said jokes in that yes. whole thing. But, uh, yeah, frankly, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've, uh, become a little more mature in 2018 and uh, I'm not going to go for it. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to what's new. So uh, I think Shannon may have put this in here, but uh, who's going to find Woodworking Live? I am. I'm, I'm going. I booked yeah. it. Yeah, so the Wood Talk guys will be there. I'm sure I'll bring a mobile recording set up and we'll probably do a podcast. Oh, God, that again? Yeah. Yes. We, might, we might even record an episode of Shop Talk Live while we're there. You think they'll invite us on the show? 
I don't know. <laughs> My actual goal while we're there we're is to find any reference to Shop Talk Live in their you know banners and things like that. Take a picture very quickly, Photoshop over it with Wood Talk, and send it, put it online, and then watch the people at at Fine Woodworking go crazy. Because that's how, that's Brian, what I did last year. Do we have Wood Talk stickers like yeah, big ones say, that we can just slap over real. the logo every time we go there? They're not that big. I mean, we've we've got stickers, but they're not. Oh, they're we're not. gonna need some various different sizes. Um, <laughs> small, four by eight, four by ridiculous. eight sheets. Yeah, that'll be good. But you know, I mean, based on past history, we may not even need stickers. They may just already have our logo there. They anyway. may make mistakes. <laughs> you know, that's right. Yeah. Just reuse the same banner from last year, and we, we won't even have to. Yeah, I guess I think I got someone in trouble when I screwed around with that last year at uh, AWFS. But, oh, well. Something about being more mature this year. Mm-hmm, that's right. I've turned <laughs> over a new leaf. This. Uh, but yeah, about it, 30 seconds. it's looking like it's going to be a really, really fun event. Um, I'm excited to go. I've got a class that I've got to you know, figure something out for. So I wish they would post the schedule. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, because I, I'm not going to be able to like, it shows right now that it runs like through Sunday. Mm-hmm. And like when you go to book, the default booking takes you through Sunday night. Well, I got to be back at work on Monday morning. So I mm-hmm. have altered that booking so that I'm checking out Sunday, but I still have no idea what the schedule of classes is on Sunday. Uh-huh. So like at, at WIA, we always knew that it was a half day. And of course the schedule was out, you know, long in advance. And frankly, the Sunday classes were like a ghost town because most people were traveling, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm really, I'm hoping that like some of the classes that i'm interested in maybe aren't sunday afternoon it just seems odd yeah, i do realize it's weird. still like four months away three months away but wouldn't you think the schedule would be up by now mm, you would think maybe i don't know i mean I just, the classes are certainly you know they've got a list of classes and presenters and all that stuff yeah. so i don't know hmm. give me my schedule hang on think so maybe? i plan out my yeah, route. i thought it was kind of work so i was trying to figure out like how long sunday was supposed to go for Right, and I'm there's I, no. I'm no flying on whatsoever. Sunday. I'm like, yeah. okay, if I miss something, whatever. But it'd be kind of nice to know if classes because they have it. Like when I have to go book the hotel, it's like you're checking on Monday. That's the default. I'm like, what? what? Okay, like, something else is like something going on Sunday. But I'm right. like, well, I'm going home. I don't want. I don't. Not that I don't want to stay there. I got things to do. I got family <laughs> to see. I got stuffs to do, man. <laughs> Oh, wonderful waterfalls um, to run over tables and things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a couple of guest podcast things we had going on. Shannon, you were on uh, Create Creators Collective. Yes, and if you're clueless like me, that is formerly known as the Crafted Podcast. Um, like their RSS feed didn't change, Creators. so I was already subscribed to this quote <laughs> new podcast, mm-hmm. and it was then I realized that that's. You know, it's James Wright's podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the same one. They just changed the name on me. So, yeah, I was totally <laughs> clueless that they changed the name. Yeah. And, yeah, it's the same one. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was similar to Wood Talk. Did they, they have a third <laughs> host? Oh, what are you trying to say? It was just it, – it's pretty much the same format that we just followed. So it was good. Um, and it's one of the things that I like. So rare that we have guests on, but when we do, we don't like make a big deal of it. We just kind of involve them in the show, and mm-hmm. that's exactly what they did with me, which I very much enjoyed. It was just kind of you know a conversation, no interview, none of that stuff. Nobody wants to. It was totally cash. Yeah, it was cash. I'm gonna have Super to go cash. listen to that. Uh, well, I was on the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast with uh, Diami and that other guy. Just kidding. <laughs> That other guy. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was actually a blast. Um, those, those guys are always great. The cool thing about the, about them is they're kind of um, 
they're, they're, they're the folks who were there like very early, you know, the 2006, mm-hmm. 2007 crew of people. So it is, uh, always fun to talk to them and, and kind of catch up. So, uh, that was very good. I, I actually went to the website. I was going to link to the post, but it doesn't look like they update their website very often. I think the last, <laughs> the last show they updated was like in November. So I, I do have a link to it, but it's on buzzsprout.com where you go for all of your great podcasts. Right. So go oh, check you know, and, yeah. and actually, speaking of stuff that's been around since the early days, um, Tommy McDonald's been posting <clears throat> his, like, original Rough Cut podcast episodes where he mm-hmm. built the Bombay. He's been posting them on Facebook. So th- those all disappeared unless you, like, kept them when you downloaded them off of iTunes in <laughs> 2009, 8, whenever it was those yeah. came out. <clears throat> so it's kind of cool. I, I've enjoyed going back and watch a few of them and seeing him build that Bombay that that he got so much acclaim for. So I'm very glad to see that he's posting that stuff again. I yeah, I'm going to go back and watch him again. It's been, it's been years. I was going to say, I haven't looked at it since, since I watched that since it was posted originally. Yeah. So that's a long right. time ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was cool. I, I watched them all. Oh, you did. And I loved it. Cause that was out yeah, of control. Oh, yeah. There, there were a lot. There was like a couple hundred, I think. Yeah. 150 or something like that. I don't know. There was a lot, but I liked them. It was fun. He's that's cool. He was really entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like just him in the shop, just kind of like it's like you're there, just kind of hanging out with him, and he's kind of a fun person to hang out with. It would feel like it's a little uh, reality showish in a way. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Like the way it was done. Like if you were to have a reality show based on a woodworker in a shop doing stuff, that it would be that. I'm working on this today. Whatever. Yeah. I just <laughs> who's better still, than me? Well, definitely who's the most reality TV show <laughs> part of the whole series is when he takes apart the the uh, the desk interior. Mm-hmm. When he screws it up, and he's like, "Oh, taking it apart, hammer time." Yeah, yeah, it just busts everything out. That's like <laughs> that's that's reality TV right there in the purest form. Yeah, that was good stuff. Manufactured drama. <laughs> All right, let's get into our kickbacks. Looks like Joe Lipinski has something to say about cold and glue. Hello, Wood Talk guys. This is Joe Lipinski in Rochester, Michigan. A little contribution to the discussion in episode four twenty one where we had our annual talk about cold weather and wood glue. That episode discussed that Type Bond 1 was good to 55 degrees, Type Bond 2 to 50, and Type Bond 3 was good to 47 degrees. I just wanted to add that if you needed a little more wiggle room, Type Bond 1 Extend is good to 40 degrees, and this is something I've certainly relied upon in my unheated shop. The only caveat is you need a little more clamping time with that glue formulation, which means you have to keep your place or your parts warm until it's set for up to a day. Another technique that I've used for cold weather glue-ups is to have all your parts and glue inside the house, run them out to the shop, glue them up, clean up any squeeze-out mess, and bring them back inside for the glue to set. Just be sure ahead of time that you can actually carry your project once you've weighted it down with all of your clamps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thanks for not quitting. I used to do that. I don't miss that. Yeah. It sounds like a giant pain in the butt. It yeah, I don't think I would have ever done that. Well, <laughs> I think I would have just said, I'll just wait till it warms up. Yeah, and especially if you're doing it, like Bessie clamps, parallel clamps, those things, it, was, it doesn't it was take many. It mostly panels that I did that with. So I yeah. had like, you know, six parallel clamps on like a four foot <laughs> wide panel and you're like right. trying to get that out the door of the garage, across the yard and then back in the, yeah, back in the house. Yeah, yeah. it was no. Uh-uh. It's crazy. I was pretty strong back then. You were? What happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you had kids married. and you got lazy. 
Now you're sporting a dad bod. Congratulations. Hashtag dad bod. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Next thing we have is from Bob. Not really sure what Bob's talking about, but uh, he, he sent he sent us a few bucks, so we're going to play his voicemail. <laughs> Hi guys, this is Bob DeVries from Holland, Michigan. Hoping you are doing great. Here's a design question for you. I'm looking to make a box to store my watches in, and I'm thinking if I made Mark's jewelry box at half the height and possibly without the side compartments. That wait, wait. That's his actual question. Here's the. Hi other guys, one. this is Bob. That, 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 that actually was a very sensible <laughs> thing to ask. Hold on. Things I learned from the last episode of Wood Talk. Shannon has large dog holes for a special purpose, and he has me rethinking what's meant by hand tool. But now at least I'm getting the hand lube idea, and I'm figuring this all out. Meanwhile, Mark thinks that Matt shakes what his mama gave him on his videos. Um, I've watched the videos. Mark, that's not what's happening. If it is, his mama didn't give him much. But anyway, he's an always out kind of guy, so maybe I just can't tell and then, Mark, I'm getting the feeling that you were the kid on the playground that went up to the other kids and said, I bet you can't do that. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> oh, I don't understand. <laughs> but thanks for calling in, Bob. Uh, okay, so we actually do have a question from uh, Bob later on that we will uh, address. I'll play it at the Ooh. right time. How about that? That was a good laugh. Thank <sighs> you, Bob. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so we got one more here from Ralph. To whom it may concern, I have been listening for quite some time, and I must say that I find your humor to be provincial and uncouth. On a more personal note, to the one referred to as the hairless gorilla, Shannon, I believe, I find your discourse to be, well, rather boorish. At least you make the attempt at civility. As for Matt... Or as you call him, the hairy giggler. His grating laugh is forcing me into psychosis. Lastly, to he who is nicknameless, the spelling of your given name is rather ghastly. Do fix that. (laughs) Well, now that that pile of horse maneuver is over with, I'd like to say that I love the show and I wouldn't change a wink of it. Shannon, your verbose discussions are generally both entertaining and informative. Matt, it just wouldn't be wood talk without an innocent Matt and his giggles. Not to mention the big-ass honking wood slicer you have in your backyard. And Mark, not many people can maintain any sort of dignity after having dressed in drag for all the internet to see. Okay, let's see. What I like best is he says not many people can maintain their dignity after doing that he doesn't actually say that i have he just says not <laughs> right. many people can and i might be one of those people who can't it's, it's all right mark that you didn't maintain it not many people can yeah yeah I, I i don't have any dignity in the first place all right let's uh finish off his email voicemail sorry Ingly make fun of the hosts check compliment the hosts eh, well sort of ask question now that the hosts are all oh crap i forgot to hit pause so, um, yeah, can uh, can you guys point me towards any good literature concerning rehabbing an antique pl- wooden plane or things to look for to see if it's even worth trying to rehab? I seem to remember y'all mentioned some time or some things a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. 
But I'm too lazy to go look or even hit the pause button, apparently. Thanks a bunch. Okay, I, I, that wasn't me this time. <laughs> that was him cutting it off. Uh, so, okay, all of that to ask the question, advice for antique plane restoration. And I know we've talked about this in the past, but off the top of your heads, either of you guys have a recommendation for them? Um, I mean, a specific book, uh, Aldrin Watson's Wooden Hand Planes is a great book. Um, <clears throat> but as far as like what to not look for, cracks in the wooden plane, <laughs> in the wooden body, I just don't bother. If there's a, if there's a, I shouldn't say don't bother, but if there are decent cracks in it, you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, if you see any holes in it, like caused by insects, you just walk away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, if a plane is missing a whole bunch of parts, I don't really mess with it. There's just too many of them out there to spend a bunch of time tracking down parts. But um, <clears throat> as far as like a book on the actual process of restoring them, I don't know. I think what you're better off is looking at something like Aldrin Watson's book where you get to see how um, planes are built. And then you're going through the process of, of fettling and flattening out the, the wedges and getting the wedges to seat properly and everything like that. I don't know that you need something specifically referencing restoring because it's pretty much the same process. But then there's also this thing called the Internet that is just awesome. If you encounter a specific issue, you're probably better off saying – how do I get the wedge to seat rather than how do I restore an antique wooden plane? Yeah. You know, if you follow me there. Oh, I follow you. Okay. (laughs) Sounds good. That's good. (laughs) Okay. Uh, we got one here from David. He says, love the show. You guys do a great job. However, because of Mark and Shannon, I went to the Lee Nielsen event at my local guild and purchased a five and a half plane. Thanks for all you do. Even Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shannon, why don't you grab that last one? I guess he's upset that he bought the plane. Well, I was trying to figure that out myself. You guys do a great job. However, I bought a plane. You made me spend money, and now my wife's mad at me. That's what it really is. He's missing a detail there. What happened? (laughs) So I like this one. This is from Nathan. He says, I've been listening to your show for a few months now. I listen on my drive to and from work after I drop off my son at school or before I pick him up, which leaves the title for your shows up on my truck's display. (laughs) Apple CarPlay is great. My son, of course, has to look to see what I'm listening to. Oh. So congratulations. Your show titles have now gotten my boy hooked. What nine-year-old can resist titles like Horse Plumber's Butt or Pete's Domino? <laughs> I do need a favor, however. If one of you could help answer his questions about one show for me. I was listening to episode 385, and he wants to know, do, quote, do the horny wolves have horns like deers or more like a ram's? Also, are horny wolves real or do they just made up? And do they, you guys, have pictures of the horny wolves? <laughs> I didn't think it was best for me to explain the true intent right before dropping them off for third grade. <laughs> Tonight we'll be listening to episode 355, 357, another guaranteed hit title. Oh, Keep up boy. the great work. Wow. So, yeah, do we have pictures of the horny wolves? We don't. And, and Nathan's son, um, horny wolves son. do exist. The thing is, they're very crafty. They're elusive. And they are generally localized to the Canadian wilderness, and they're just hard to find. So no one has really good pictures of them. Uh, But hunters and things like that have said that they are rumored to have horns very much like a ram's with with a circular treatment there. And and if you you ever see one, just turn around and run the other way because they are nothing to mess with. Hmm. Good advice. Mm Mm-hmm. 
All right, so we've got some voicemail. And this one's actually a legit question from our buddy, uh, Bob DeVries. <laughs> hey, Bob. Hi, guys. This is Bob DeVries from Holland, Michigan. Hoping you are doing great. Here's a design question for you. I'm looking to make a box to store my watches in, and I'm thinking if I made Mark's jewelry box at half the height and possibly without the side compartments, that may work. My question is this. At what point do you change the orientation of the side panels and drawer fronts? For example, if it were a blanket chest, you'd probably run the boards horizontal uh, or the green running perpendicular to the floor. If I leave the sides of the jewelry box vertical, does it make it look like a fat guy in vertical stripes? Any suggestions for determining the best grain direction, board width, length ratio? As always, I appreciate it. Thanks again. All right, Matt, why don't you take a stab at this first? Dude, I don't even know, man. It's like I was thinking about it in my head. Like if I'm making a box or anything where it doesn't have a drawer, like a bank of drawers, then the case sides are running horizontal, like you said, with the blanket chest. I'm thinking like the high boy I just did has the, well, the top case has the boards running vertically and it has a bank of drawers running horizontally. Then the lower case has the boards, the sides running horizontally and the drawer fronts running horizontally. Really? So, I mean. So the lower yeah. case, you change the grain orientation. Yeah, it's That's interesting. 90 degrees from that. Yeah. Hmm. Running. So how did you how did you assemble the lower case? Breadboard ends. Oh, wait, sorry. We're talking a high boy. You're talking a high boy. For some reason, I'm thinking chest on chest. And I was like, how did you dovetail? Oh, yeah. Cross grain across the top because that's going to break. That's no, no. <laughs> that's going to break. That's wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> well, generally, like rule of thumb wise, if you, I guess there's always going to be exceptions and certain pieces you're building, you may have to do something different. But at least my starting point for picking grain direction is always going to be with the long dimension, right? So the grain will generally go with the long dimension of that piece if it's a rectangle. But in some cases, it's not necessarily going to make sense. Or if you're continuous grain around, you know, a blanket chest, uh, maybe your sides might be taller than they are wide and the grain is still going to run across the short dimension in that case. But the dominant thing is the front and back. And that's where you're establishing that that grain direction from. I mean, you have to certainly pay attention to the joinery. Make sure that the joinery is not going to give you issues. Mm -hmm. So once you eliminate the fact that you can run it either way without sacrificing strength of the joinery, um, what I I think it, you know, you have to look at what species you're using, what kind of grain, what does the grain effect do? Like if you're using something like zebra wood, like quarter sun zebra wood, Mm. it's very, very, you know, stripey. You know, there's a strong statement there. If you're using cherry, yeah, maybe not quite as strong a statement if you change the orientation. So you have to look at it that way. Um, if you're really uncertain, this is where I love SketchUp. Then you could just draw like a box in SketchUp and you can like overlay wood grain onto it and mm-hmm. kind of see what does it look like and kind of play with the dimensions a little bit and just go with your gut. Say that, and, and Bob has a good point, you know, as a uh, fat man in stripes, horizontal stripes, you know, um, <laughs> you you have to just kind of step back and look at it and go, that makes it look fat. You know, the camera <laughs> added 20 pounds here. Does, does so. this grain make my butt look fat? <laughs> Very show title. There you go. <laughs> You're I welcome, like Nathan's son. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, oh. Man. Good stuff. All right. Well, uh, if you want to send us a voicemail, you can do so. Just use your voice memo app on your little telephone thing that no one uses to make calls anymore and uh, send that voicemail to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. And we have to do a lumber update. And guess what? I don't have the file ready, and we cannot do a lumber update without the music. So hold on a second. So are we skipping it? No, hold on. (laughs) Just be patient. Be patient and don't be... Shallow and pedantic. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. I got it. I got it this time. Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. I really don't know which one of you ruins it more for me. I'm going to have to go on. I can only imagine with, with potential Skype delay and everything how just cacophonous that sounded. Oh, I was just singing and I didn't hear any music. That was awful. Okay, so what's going on in the lumber world? I have talked about the Lacey Act before about how, you know, we uh, people get nabbed for bringing stuff in from faraway lands. Well, guess what? <clears throat> the Lacey Act applies to domestic species as well. And we now have um, a, a case study where somebody domestically got uh, in trouble for uh, domestic species. Because, again, the Lacey Act is preventing or, or is meant to regulate and prevent the trade of species that are illegal or possibly endangered or in danger of being endangered, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and what was particularly interesting, this involves uh, PRS guitars or Paul Reed Smith guitars. They're uh, headquartered on the Eastern shore of Maryland. You, anybody who plays guitars probably knows them because they make really nice stuff, but they, um, they actually didn't get in trouble because they blew the whistle on themselves. They had um, some suspect maple and thought, I'm not sure where this came from. So they went ahead and said, hey, we need to look into this. And they were basically listed as a, as a cooperative party and didn't get a wrist slap. But what was interesting is this particular violation, they were like the third or fourth party downstream. So I often talk about Lacey violations and how somebody who imported it directly got in trouble. The fact of the matter is the Lacey Act applies to everyone in the supply chain. So if Joe Smith went over to, you know, Lumberyard X and bought some lumber that was bought illegally, like five people up the supply chain, technically Joe Smith actually could get in trouble. Long and short of it is, is the federal government going to go after Joe Smith? Probably not. They're probably going to go after the people up the up the chain. But this was an example where chain of custody became really important because the corporation that actually blew the whistle, PRS, had to trace chain of custody through several different buyers. And it turned out the wood was originally sourced from some dude with a chainsaw and a pickup truck driving into a national forest and cutting down a tree, which is a big no-no. So it was just it was kind of interesting, first of all, to see that um, PRS, the per- the people who should be getting in trouble, actually didn't because they self-reported. They turned themselves in, which it's nice to know that there's a little bit of imp- not empathy, sympathy, <laughs> mercy. That's the word I'm looking for. Mercy. <laughs> you know, hey, we we think we did something wrong here. We're not sure. Let's go track it down, U.S. government. And. Um, so it was, it was kind of nice to see that, but it was also kind of nice to see that it was actually possible to trace that particular maple in question 
all the way back, even to some guy who doesn't, you know, doesn't run a lumber yard, doesn't have a corporation. He's just literally a dude with a chainsaw going into a national forest. So the system, <laughs> the system might actually work. That's a big thing for me to say, people, because I'm not a big fan of the Lacey Act. But this one was kind of nice to see it work out. So there we go. Even domestic lumber can be sourced illegally. So just know where you're getting your stuff, folks. Wow. Cool. So what do they say? Like what made it seem suspect to them in the first place? Like if it's a piece of maple, like um, what about you know, a piece of maple makes it look like this could be sourced shadily? I don't think it had anything to do with the actual, like the boards themselves. It was some of the documentation that came okay. along with it. I'd, but, um, I, and to be honest, you're t- if you want to dig into that, you're welcome to. There's about 7,000 pages of stuff <laughs> you can look through. So put uh, your lawyer yeah. wife on that. She'll be used to that stuff. <laughs> so I'll no, never I mean, send you guys the bill yeah, to the listeners. You know, they're, they're <laughs> generally, like when we see things that look a little suspect, it's in the chain of custody documentation, not really the that wood itself. way more um, sense because otherwise like – <laughs> Don't you know has, what illegal maple has, looks like? This has more bird's eye than it should. I thought it was because yeah, the guy just maple has a certain amount of has a certain <laughs> shimmer to it. <laughs> I thought the guy just every pulled time, up with every his time truck, you look at the board, the you hear dun 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 play. Just <laughs> yeah. that that track just plays over and over again when you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, email time, and I got one here from Jason J- Jason, not Jason Christensen. Uh, he says, I've purchased the Rubo Workbench Guild project. Frankly, it'll be a while before I have the kind of money to uh, get into a project that big. In the meantime, I'd like to get a couple of vices on my existing bench that doesn't have a very thick top, maybe two inches at most. How does a bench vice work with that? Do I need to build up the bench at that location and provide a thicker surface where the vice mounts? That doesn't seem to be, uh, there doesn't seem to be a wealth of info out there about it. I think you're on the right track here, Jason. Uh, kind of depends on the vice. You know, if you're just going for one of those standard quick release vices, a lot of times there is a minimum thickness that you would want. Otherwise, the vice is going to sit proud of the surface. And it really is that easy. You just get a block of wood or a layup of a couple pieces to kind of shim it a little bit, attach that to the bottom of your workbench, and then attach the vice to that. Another thing to consider are the vices that are mounted into aprons. So even if you have a two-inch top, it doesn't uh, stop you from putting a big eight-quarter apron on that thing, make it as deep as it needs to be. And that's how you would install something like a twin screw vise, for instance. Uh, And there's a a bunch of different vise types out there. But yeah, especially if you just have a simple solid top, there's just no reason why you can't build up more substantial material in that area and get the vise that you want in that location. It's a very quick one for me today. Oh, wow. Cool. I am done. I'm done. Oh, I forgot to put the person's name for this one. I'm sorry. Anyway, this is, uh, I was going to say it was from, but I just said I don't know who it's from, so never mind. Wow. We're doing this already. Uh Okay. Just just stare at me some more, guys. Uh, I know you put (laughs) your bandsaw. Because it's awesome and you have a large stash of awesome logs, do you think if you were not a content creator, you would have still built one? Or do you think you would have bought a smaller bandsaw mill or perhaps a Lucas mill or possibly continued chainsaw milling? Thanks for all you, Mark and Shannon, do. Any knowledge you pass along greatly helps all of us listeners. What's a Lucas mill? I'm busy looking at whatever Mark is trying to show me on the screen right now. <laughs> it's just an old picture of Nicole that happens to be sitting on my desk. I was like, she looks, she looks familiar. Yeah. That's a, an interesting pose for Nicole. <laughs> so 
Maybe something else. She's like 16 in that picture. Uh, anyway, sorry. Sorry for the distraction. Oh, you're very good at that today. <laughs> oh, man. So Lucas Mills. <laughs> uh, Lucas Mill is, it's like the thermos situation because Lucas Mills are, it's a brand name of a mill that's like as a swing blade, but also has a chainsaw slabbing attachment that goes on it. But yeah. like Peterson also makes one as well, and I think a few other brands off the top of my head. But most people refer to, to a swing blade as a Lucas Mill or a swing blade with a slabber bar on it as a Lucas Mill. I guess I'm not most people then. Nah, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I got nothing to say to that. <laughs> and that's it. Thank you for the educational tip, Matt. No problem. Anytime, Shannon. You know, reciprocating. You know, that's how it goes, right? Mm hmm. Uh, I don't know. So this is a good question because I don't know if I would have done it so soon or built so soon or mm, I don't know. Because a lot of it, a lot of the motivation for me to do it was this idea that I had no idea what I was doing and I wanted to try and make something that seemed complicated to me and probably complicated to a lot of people seem, well, obviously appear to be not appear, but it is actually not that hard and it can be done with one guy in his in his driveway with some really basic fabricating tools and he can end up with something pretty sweet. So I don't know if I would have done it so soon. I think originally I was going to slab all of the large logs I had back there with my chainsaw mill and get through them that way because I only had those, what, five of them, five logs or so. And yeah, it would have taken me longer to cut them all up, but I mean, it, it's not like I'm cutting stuff every day all the time anyway. Um... I don't think I would have bought a smaller bandsaw mill because I would have been chasing the wider cut anyway, like all the time. That's pretty much the reason I didn't really consider a swing blade either. At least for me, when I look at a big log, I'm the kind of person that sees big boards. I don't see a bunch of small boards. So if you're a person that sees a bunch of small boards in a big log, a swing blade is going to be great for you because you can really knock that out, well, knock that out into dimensional lumber very quickly and very easily with a swing blade. But I knew that I'd be chasing that wider cut all the time. Mm-hmm. So with the swing blades, you can make a, like a double pass cut, and you can get to double the cut width of <clears throat> whatever your, your your mill can do. So most of the ones would be like either a six or eight inch cut, so you can make any dimensional thing up to a six by six or up to an eight by eight with that with that blade. And making two cuts, you could make either a twelve inch wide board or an, a sixteen inch wide board. That's why, but it's not wide enough for me. So I would have to always put the chainsaw mill slabbing attachment thing on it to cut anything wider than that. And then at that point, what's really the point? Because then I can just have a bandsaw mill I can do it all and only have one machine and not have to worry about that one thing. So I don't know. I think I still would have done it. Time frame probably would have been different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Thanks for yeah. that, Matt. No problem. <laughs> Marcus, get that glaze off your eyes. Oh Lord! I need coffee too. I don't have a. I don't have someone serving me coffee here like Matt does. Oh, nobody serves me. I serve myself coffee whatever, all day. Whatever. Day. Say whatever you want. It's fine. I will say whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just start. I'm just picking a fight with Matt today. <laughs> okay, Shannon. Manufacture some more drama, all right? <laughs> I'm trying to, man. The show's just not that interesting. We're trying to spice it up a little bit. Okay, this is from Rob, um, and and well, shall we say thank you for your service, Rob? Because he says I'm a Marine. 
who was recently nice. reassigned to Okinawa, Japan, and had to say goodbye to my garage wood shop and put my power tools in storage. Trying to make the best of it, but I'm looking at the next few years as an opportunity to focus on hand tool skills. So he recently built a workbench based on Schwarz's $175 workbench. Um, he used 2x12s from the Japanese version of Home Depot. I don't know what that's called, but I want to know now. Um, I think they're Douglas fir. Home Depot! Well, yeah, that, that was what was running through my head. <laughs> Home Depot! That's, I'm sure that's what it is. I know they, in Spanish, when the Spanish version, at least in Arizona, they would do the announcements in Spanish and English, and the guy would just say, Home Depot, like that. Uh, it just reminds me, have you seen the new vacation with Ed Helms? No. And it, they, they, they rent the, the family truckster car, and the the gps gets changed to like korean <laughs> the guy's voice is just nothing but angry he's like why is he so angry because <laughs> everything he says is shouted yeah you gotta arrive <laughs> why is he so angry <laughs> <On Devo>. <laughs> anyway <laughs> overall <laughs> the bench has come together great i'm proud of it but i drilled a few doll holes using a brace and a three-quarter inch jennings pattern bit bought new not used and i found that they are too big around for my gramercy hold fast it's not fatal, as I've only drilled a couple of holes, but I want to know what to do to make sure the next holes are tight enough for the hold fast to be effective. Any suggestions on what to do for the remaining holes? So uh, first things first, um, the the remaining holes are, excuse me, the, the pre-existing holes, if they are, in fact, not going to work, easiest thing in the world you can do is stick a dowel in it. <laughs> Put glue on a dowel, pound the dowel in, and ta-da, no more hole. Um, yes, you will have some ingrain showing. If that is really a problem for you, then you could pound the dowel in, pound it so that it's it's um, so there's there's still a recess there. And you could use like a plug cutter or something like that to cut a face grain plug. Um, oh, I suppose you could do like you a brass inlay. Yeah, there you go. Cool. Yeah. You're just inlaying something in there. If you want to blend it in, I would say it's a workbench. Deal with it. Um, but you know, there's lots of ways to plug the hole, but I question whether or not that's actually necessary. The three quarter inch hole is too big for the Gramercy hold fast. I have three quarter inch holes on my bench and I have some Gramercy hold fast. And I, I mean, even if it's too big, even if it kind of wiggles around in the hole, it should still grip. I think your issue may be the thickness of your top. Um, if you used two inch or two by 12s from Home Depot, and I don't know if the Japanese version of a two by 12 is actually two inches thick, or it's like the, you know, one and a half to one and three quarter inch thick, like we have in the States, but that could be kind of thin. And I do know that some holdfasts have trouble gripping in either a really thick top or a really thin top. So what I would recommend is just like, um, who was it earlier? It asked with the, with the vice with Jason, I would recommend actually building up some material underneath the holes you've already drilled. So take, take an off cut of that two by 12, and just temporarily, just like screw it to the underside of your bench. So you now double the thickness of your bench top there. And then you can use the pre-existing hole as kind of a guide to drill through the remainder of that. And see how the hold fast grabs at that point going through almost four inches of material. I think you may find that it'll grip a little bit better. If you're finding that it doesn't grip at all, <clears throat> then there can be an issue where maybe you need to backbore the hole on the bottom. So the bottom of the bench, the hole is actually a little bit bigger um, so that what you need is room for that holdfast to actually shift off of the vertical. It has to cam its way into the hole in order for it to grab. Um, so, in other words, if you had a tight fit on that holdfast, it probably wouldn't grab because the holdfast has to actually 
cant off to a side in order for it to do its job. So I would try thickening up the bench top before you start doing that. If for some reason the three quarter inch bit, you know, is off, maybe it's not three quarters and you need to drill a larger hole, then do some experimentation, grab some scrap and play with it. Make sure that the hole fast will grab in whatever size hole you're using and then you can patch it like, like I was just talking about. Now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine- you can also try to rough those up too. I know like when I got mine first off, like they wouldn't, wouldn't grab at all. Because they're just too smooth, so I, I mean, just sand them down a little bit. It's not grabbing, he just says it's too big for the hold fast. So well, I don't know if it means he just says the. I mean, he could be. He could, too he big could go down the road of thickening up that bench top, and it still doesn't grab. At three inches thick, it should grab. So I would think. So. Yeah, mine at just four in, is case. mine works great at four. Right, perfect, and I didn't even have to rough them up. But ah, I've also the holes are probably rough. <laughs> that, that's true. <laughs> the holes are rough. <laughs> I've I've got a a one and a half inch thick top on my little mobile um, workbench toolbox, and I use Gramercy Holdfast on that all the time. It works just fine. So, but I mean, my Gramercy Holdfasts are nine years old, so I I don't know that if anything hasn't changed. I have no idea. (laughs) Maybe maybe they're using a slightly different bar stock. I don't know, but I I wouldn't doubt it. Hmm. Cool. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this show. If you want to leave us a review on iTunes, you can, if you want to. I mean, who oh. uses iTunes anymore? Where, where else could we tell people to go? I mean, it is nice to have something to say, hey, if you want to support the show, you don't have to spend money. You could just go here and then do something to help the show. What would that if be? They leave reviews on Facebook? Does that help us? Is that a thing? No. no. I suppose you could go <laughs> No. Are you trying like to our YouTube live? I don't Are know. You, here's what you do. Find us on Patreon. You can Are tell you a friend. For? Just tell a friend. If you have woodworking you friends, let them know that this show is out there. That's what we need. Word of mouth. We're going. To, we're taking it to the streets, boys. Yeah. Go to your nearest Rockler store, hang out there, pass out Wood Talk stickers, and have everybody take out their phones and subscribe to the podcast yeah, right yeah. there in the store. Yeah, yeah. And put us put us on a cassette tape, get a big old boom box, put it on your shoulder, <laughs> and just dance in front of the store and play Wood Talk. Yeah. I think it'll be good. Okay, and uh, what else can you do? You can oh, go to the Wood Whisperer store, twwstore.com. Guys, I'm trying to sell stuff here. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> twwstore.com is where you can go to get a Wood Talk t-shirt. And uh, yeah, of course, Patreon if you want to help out. Uh, Patreon.com slash Wood Talk. And Shannon, why don't you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. If you don't want to support the show, but you want to tell us what you're thinking... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or I suppose if you wanted to support the show, whatever, Uh, you can send us a voicemail. There's a fancy way to do that. Use your voice memo app on your fancy smartphone. Record it. Make sure you record the voice memo before you email it to us. And then email it to us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or you can use our contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Or just go to our website at Wood Talk Show. Find the episode you like, scroll to the bottom, and leave a comment. We like it. You can also catch us on Instagram. And you can tell all your friends on Instagram that we're on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We're at Wood Talk Show. We're also on the Twitters and the Facebooks. So, yay! We're everywhere! Yay! Wow, that was in unison. Um, I don't know what to nice. do now. It's actually... All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening, everyone, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Goodbye to you. See ya.